and by recently, I mean last weekend, okay? It was kind of a sudden thing, like we knew we were moving, we had sold our house, but the people that bought our house came back and they were like, hey, we want to close a week early, so we were having to kind of move up our move date a week early, and so we moved last Friday and Saturday. There were some things, because last Friday we were like, we know we're going to stay at um, our new house right up here on Beltline. And so um, we were like, we've got to get the bed in. We've got to make sure we have some clothes and stuff to shower, toothbrushes and all of those things. And our other thing that made the essential list for staying in the new home was our TV. Okay, I don't know if anyone else is like this. I know this is a bad habit, but Sarah and I fall asleep every night to TV shows like reruns. Do you call them reruns still? I don't even know if they're still called that. But like shows we've already watched, like a comedy show. And usually like we'll turn on one of our favorite shows and within like five minutes I'm out cold. So we've had a long day, like we've unpacked. It's Friday. We've got our bed set up, like we've got um, clothes, all of that. We've showered, toothbrushes, all of those things. And the TV is set up, but we can't find the remotes. And I'm looking at Sarah like, you should have packed them. What did you do? And she's looking at me like, you're the one that kind of disassembled the bed this morning. Like, at our other house, what'd you do with them? And, and so, like, it's a long day. We're exhausted. But you guys, it was like we had lost life itself. Like, I'm like, do we need to drive the 25 minutes back to our other house to get these? Like, how are we possibly going to go to sleep without the remotes? And so we rigged up my laptop kind of like right in the middle and turned that on to be able to sleep. So we went back Saturday, got the rest of the stuff. It's Saturday night. We still can't find the remotes. At this point, you guys, I'm just thinking, go buy a new TV. Like, what does it matter? I, I've got to have this, like, in order to go to sleep. Like, we're panicking. Sarah, being the more one that is connected to Jesus, says, let's just pray. And so we pray. And some crazy God moment, like, she just thinks this is where the remotes are. And she goes and she finds them, like, right there. You guys, it was a celebration at our house. We're dancing, like jumping up and down, like it's bedtime, but we are so excited. I don't know if you've ever lost anything that was like important to you or valuable to you, but it's like that, right? I'm notorious for misplacing my keys or my wallet, and my first question is, Sarah, where'd you put them? She never touches my stuff, but still, I'm like, what'd you do with them? And, and I just do that a lot, and this morning I want... I want you to think about that. We're going to talk about that of, hey, what do we do when we lose things that are valuable? What's God's perspective on that? And we're talking about people, not just things that are valuable, but people around us that can be lost. And so I want you to think about that as we talk this morning about who we are. We've been in this series talking about these statements or these declarations of who we are as a church. If you're here in person you can see them whenever you walk through our lobby. They're like those seven kind of black strips with white lettering. This is, this is who we are as a church. If you've been on our church website, for those of you um, worshiping online with us, like you see them there on our church website. And this is what we mean when we talk about these statements. It's not just who we are when we're together, but every day of the week. This is who God's calling us to be. When you're at your workplace, students, when you're in your classroom, when you're um, around friends, when we're out in the community, this is what God is dreaming for us as a church. And so we don't want these to be statements that just make us feel good, like, hey, we've got some cool things we say about the church, or hey, these sound really nifty kind of as a church of what God's doing. No, we want to find ways to live these out. And so this morning, this last statement that we're focusing in on and that we're talking about is this right here. We change the world. 
Turn to the person next to you and just say that. We change the world. That's what God's inviting us to do, to change the world around us, to be part of what God is doing in the world around us. So I mentioned just a moment ago as Wayne was sharing his story that that statement means that we get to partner with God in bringing transformation and redemption in his salvation to the world around us. We are people who walk around this world differently. We're looking at the physical needs and the spiritual needs of people around us. And we're listening to the Holy Spirit. So when you go into your workplace, you're not just listening to your favorite music. You're not just listening to your favorite podcasts or to all the conversations. Your heart and your ear and your, minds are, your mind is open to God. What do you want to say? And you notice that coworker. Students, you notice that classmate who seems to be down. You notice that person on your sports team or in choir or band who is struggling. You notice that family member who just hasn't been the same the past few weeks. And you're listening to the spirit of God of, Lord, is there a way that I could bring change to their life? Is there something I could do, something I could say that would make an impact, God, for what you're wanting to do inside of them? We change the world. This is who God has called us to be. This is what God is calling us to And so I want us to look at this part of the change I want us to look at this morning is the spiritual change we are called to bring in the life of others. So we're going to start this morning by doing a little math. I know it's Sunday morning, okay? I know some of you guys are still half asleep. So I'm going to make this easy, but I want to do this to get us to one number that is extremely important for us and that I want us to focus in on as we talk about changing the world and the impact that God has called us to make Um, for us and for those around us and for our community. And it's this right here. I know that you read the headlines, there's a lot of craziness going on, right? And when we think about changing the world, like we may think, yeah, that's something out there on the Russian-Ukraine border that needs to happen, like there's something there. Or I read in the headlines, there's something going on, you know, with North Korea and Japan right now, and maybe that's over there. Or people in very countries that are undeveloped, very needy areas that don't have food or clean water, like that's change that needs to happen. But sometimes we don't think about like our own area. And there are physical needs around us, but there are desperate spiritual needs around us too. People that are being vastly impacted that we often don't see or think about. So let me do this little math equation for you guys. And I want you to think about this. Um, The average church here in the United States runs 65 people. It's actually a little bit less than that. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about that all these churches... um, Most of them are less than 65. Now, I know we live in Texas and we drive past really large churches. But when you average it out, like the church that has, you know, a couple of thousand and the church that only has 20, the average church in America has 65 people. When Sarah and I moved to Mesquite, we just started to look of like, what's the need in Mesquite? You may not know this, but right here in the city limits of Mesquite, there are 127 churches. 127 churches. Now, This was a number of years ago that we looked up that number, but according to Mesquite City website, it's still right there. I know some may have closed, new ones may have opened, but it's right there, about 127 churches here in Mesquite. And when you average that out, and I'll do the math for you because I know that could be difficult for some of you guys, but that means on any given Sunday morning, there are about 8,500 people, 8,500 people in church in Mesquite on a Sunday morning. According to the 2019 census, 
there are 143,000 people in Mesquite. Now, this is the number that I want you to think about. It's this right here. It's that that means throughout the week, there are 135,201 people in our community that aren't connected to the church or Christ. And I want this to stay up here for a moment because I know we just did a math equation and that can seem like, hey, that's, that's a large number. Like when you think about that and the average size church, and this is just kind of an average 135,201 people. But this isn't just a number, you guys. This is that coworker that's going through divorce. This is your neighbor that just found out they have cancer. Students, this is that classmate that's feeling depressed and alone, and they just think the best thing is just to end it all. I'll just take my life because no one's really going to miss me. This isn't just a big number in our community. These are people that are living, waking up, stressed about finances. This is the single parent that's questioning, is the paycheck going to pay the bills this week? And I don't feel like I have hope, and it feels like I'm trapped, and it feels like I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do, and does anyone even see me or care about me? These are the high school students in Mesquite ISD that are bouncing from couch to couch and are homeless, or sometimes they're sleeping in a friend's car, or sometimes they're sleeping in a hotel. If they can get enough money, they don't have a permanent place. That is the 135,201 people that are struggling right now, and they're not connected to church or Christ. And more than I want you to see a number, I want you to understand this. If we understand the Bible, and I understand this is not popular to talk about and it's not comfortable, that means that 135,201 people in our community will spend eternity separated from Christ. That number should matter to you, and it should matter to me. That number represents people who will not only suffer here on this earth, but also because of the decisions they made, will spend eternity not understanding the love or the forgiveness or the goodness or the compassion of God. That number should move you in some way because God cares about that number. And God is saying, I'm passionate about that number. And when we talk about changing the world, it's not just meeting the physical needs. It's the spiritual needs of 135,201 people within Mesquite City limits. And that's not even talking about Balt Springs or Siegelville or Garland or Rockwall or any of these other places, Forney or Terrell, where some of us come from, Kaufman area. That's just within Mesquite City limits. You guys, that should matter to us. That people are lost. And if we're not careful, it becomes very easy to say, well, this church, I mean, we're above the average, right? We got more than 65 people here on a Sunday morning. Like, that seems pretty good. But you guys, God cares about those that are lost just like he cares about us and did something to rescue, to redeem us, to bring us back to him. This number matters to God and it should matter to us as well. And so I want to ask you this simple question this morning. I want you to think about this is what's your relational reach zone? Because that number can seem very large. And even for our church, you know, um, where we have a few hundred people, two to three hundred people here, um, this number can seem very large. What's your relational reach zone? And we've talked about this about nine weeks ago. We shared a very similar message and we talked about this. The average individual for us, like we have friends that are already connected to church and connected um, to Christ and others, but the average person in the American church, we have 10 people that don't know Jesus. 
really connected in our life. And there's all of these technical terms like gospel impact and gospel potential, but I'm just calling that your reach zone. What's your reach zone? And I want you to think about that. What are ten, who are 10 people, not what, but who are 10 people in your life right now that you're like, I know they're not connected to Jesus. Like, I know that they could use others around them. This is what I want you to do is I just want you to write down their name. You're not going to give it to us, okay? This is for you. I want you to write down their name. So here's what you can do is just take out your smartphone. If you can open up a note, I do this a lot. I just text my wife and say, ignore this. But I'll need to remember it later, so it's in my text feed. So however you need to do that, if you have a piece of um, paper and a pen there, you can do that. For those of you worshiping online, take something out, smartphone, piece of pen, paper, whatever you can. Just write down, hey, here are 10 people that don't know Jesus that I know. Like I have a relationship with, I could, I could help them, I could encourage them, I could help them grow. Like I want you to do that um, right now if you could. Just take something out, write that down, even now, right now while I'm talking. And I want you to start to think about that. For some of you, you may say, I can't think of 10 people. Maybe that's because you've been in the church for a while and you don't have any relationships. Your assignment this week, find 10 people that don't know Jesus, okay? Because we all should be connected. God is concerned about that number. That number matters to him. And so just do that right now. Like, take that out. I want you to do that. I mentioned that here at NCC, we have... A couple of hundred people, like, you know, it, it kind of goes up and down depending on the week and what's going on. But anywhere between two and three hundred people, the past number of weeks is kind of where we've been at. If you stop and think just kind of about the middle of that, two, 250 people, if each of us have 10, that is right here in this church. We have about 2,500 people that are represented, that don't know Jesus, that we have influence in, that we could share Jesus with. We could invite them to church. We could connect with them. I mentioned nine weeks ago when I talked about this, this is another number, that 71% of your friends and my friends, our neighbors said, I would go to church if someone invited me. That means that of the 2,500 people that we're connected with, and 71% said that they would come, that 1,775 people would come to NCC if we invited them. Now, I realized with that 135,000 number, that doesn't seem like a massive dent, but that's something, isn't it? That right now, like we don't even have to do a lot of things. If we just look around us and we invite people that we're in relationship with and we connect with them and we say, hey, would you come to church with me? That there are 1,775 people that most likely say, hey, I, I would come. Like I'd come check out your church. I'd come be a part of that. That's crazy to think about. And yet many of us aren't aware of that or we're not thinking about that. And yet God is passionate about this. And so I want to share the heart of this with you. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. And we're just going to start there in Luke chapter 15 and look at God's passion with this. As we look at changing the world around us and the spiritual needs around us in our life. And look at the life of Christ and what he did and how he lived his life. So we see this in Luke chapter 15. There are three stories. And the first thing that we see in this story that really stands out to me is Jesus is talking about losing something, kind of what I talked about. And he's in a crowd of people like this. So I just want you to get this in your mind. Jesus is hanging out with real people. Some of them are carpenters. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are doctors. Um, they're stay-at-home parents in the crowd. They're fishermen. All kinds of people in that crowd. Some educated, some not so educated are in this crowd of people. And then there's this religious group. In these three stories, although Jesus is talking to everyone, 
he's really talking to the religious people. He's kind of singled them out. And you can see that in the third story. We're not going to read all three stories. Because the religious people thought this. Hey, we've got it all together. And everyone else out here, you guys are pretty messed up. So God loves us, and he kind of puts up with you guys, okay? Like, we're on the inside. You guys are on the outside of the kingdom of God. And um, God has to kind of tolerate you, but maybe eventually you'll get your stuff together and you'll become like us. Really, that's how they saw themselves. And so Jesus tells this story, and he's telling it to everyone, but he really wants the religious people to listen up. And here's what he says in Luke 15. This is the second one. He says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. And she loses one. This is what she'll do. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, rejoice. There is rejoicing in the presence of angel and of God over one sinner who repents, over one person who's lost who comes back into the kingdom of God. All of heaven is rejoicing. Jesus says, if you're really part of the kingdom of God, if you're really a religious person, then you're going to continue to look for those that are lost. Don't stop looking. You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a follower of God, right? You think you're on the inside of the kingdom of God. Then this is how you act. You don't stop looking. You keep looking for those that are lost. You're not comfortable with, hey, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about going to hell. I'm good. No, to be part of the kingdom of God means that you'll do whatever it takes. You light the lamp. You get down on your hands and your knees like you're sweeping up everything. You're looking because you've lost something of value. And this is what Jesus said. He said, there's some religious people here and you've forgotten what's valuable. You think it's about a list of rules. You think it's about some right behaviors. But I'm telling you, get on mission with God. He is passionate about those who are disconnected from him. And I'm telling you, this story is spot on. Okay, So I mentioned this week we're moving. Our kids moved to a new school district. Um, so I thought I had to get them like these laptops. So I go to a store. I won't mention what store it is. Bought the laptops. They weren't the right kind. I take them back. It's like $450, and when the store tries to refund my money, my bank card says it's fraudulent activity and rejects the refund. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe some of you are in here, and you're like, $450, not a big deal at all. I'm panicked, okay? I'm sweating. Like, what do I do? Why in the world would a bank deny a refund? I need that money, Right? So I go home, I'm calling my bank, and they're like, well, we can't give you the money because we're showing the store didn't do it. We rejected it. The store's saying, we already gave you the money. We tried to push it through to your bank. They rejected it. And everyone's saying you have to talk to each other. I immediately get on the phone, and I call a couple of staff members, and I'm like, you got to pray. I just lost 450 bucks, and I need 450 bucks. Like, I really need that. And so... It took a couple of days, like I go back to the store a couple of times, I'm like, please, please, I need that money, can you talk to my bank, like what's happening? And, and then sure enough, it was like a day or two later, like it came through. And I get on the phone and I'm with those staff members and I'm like, you guys, I got the money back and I'm so excited, like I'm celebrating, I'm so happy. That's exactly what's taking place in this story. This story is real. And Jesus is saying, hey, people are a lot more valuable than $450. A lot more valuable than one silver coin. You can't put a price tag on a person. And God's saying, this is why I came. This is what I'm about. To seek and to save 
those that are lost. And in this story, what Jesus wanted them to realize is never be comfortable with just the nine coins that you have. Continue to look for the one that is lost. He goes on in another story. Don't be comfortable with the 99 that are there. Continue to reach out to the one that is lost. That's what he's saying. Don't stop looking. If you call yourself a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you understand the heart of God. This is what Jesus said is, this is the whole reason why I came. I came to seek and to save those that are lost. Jesus is saying, I'm not just about hanging out with religious people or, or those that are already good. He's like, I want to keep reaching those that are hurting and those that are broken. And if you read the Gospels, if you read the story of the life of Jesus, like you see this. Hundreds of people around Jesus, and you may not know this story, but one day he stops and looks up in this tree because there's one guy who's the outcast. And he stops everyone that however many hundreds, 50, you know, however many people are around him, he stops everything and he says, Zacchaeus, you've been on the outside, but today I'm going to come eat dinner at your house because you're going to be restored back into the kingdom of God. You see him stop by a tax collector's booth and tax collectors were the outsiders. And he stops and he says, Matthew, I'm going to come to your house. I want you to come and follow me and invite all your friends. We're going to throw a party. So who shows up at the party? Drunks? prostitutes, sinners, murderers, like crazy people are there and all the religious people are on the outside looking in on the windows and they're like, Jesus, you can't eat with those people. And he says, this is the whole reason why I came. It's these people, they're broken, they're hurting. They need the love of God in their life. This is why I'm here to seek and to save them, to help them connect again with God. If you are part of God's family, if you have experienced the salvation of God, don't stop looking. Don't stop looking. Our hearts should be the same as our Father. I love by a quote by a famous preacher that lived a few hundred years ago. He said this, he said, as a Christian, you're either a missionary or an imposter. You're either a missionary or you're an imposter. You're either on mission with God. You're a part of what God is doing to change the world and to bring impact and to make a difference in others' life, or you are just pretending at this Christian thing. And what he's saying is, if this is the heart of God, this should be our heart. Like, this should be what we are passionate about. And so I want to challenge you, don't stop looking in what God has called us to do. The second thing that I want you to focus in on is this right here. It's we get to partner with God as he is redeeming the world. It's what we've been talking about. God is redeeming. He's restoring. Like we broke the world with our sin. Okay, that's each and every one of us. Not just Adam and Eve as the first man and woman, but we've done our part, right, to mess up the world around us. And Christ comes and we experience his love and forgiveness but then we get to partner with him as he is redeeming the world. Okay, this could have been God's plan. Is that as soon as we accept the love of God, he just strikes us dead. Right? And I think sometimes maybe that's a good option because I mess up a lot, you guys, right? So like I accept the love of God and then he just takes me to heaven. He could have done that and that would have been an okay thing. But he doesn't. He leaves us here because he says, hey, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing to restore others. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing to bring my hope and my love to those around you that have not experienced it yet. We get to partner with God as he is redeeming the world. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says this. 
in verse 23. I want you to look at this. Paul, it's this um, guy who was going from city to city, like talking to people about Jesus. This is what he says. He's like, I'm free. I don't belong to anyone. But he uses this illustration. I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. Look at what he says. To those that are Jewish, I become like those who are Jewish. To win the Jews, to those that are under the law, I become under the law, though I myself am not under the law. To win those under the law, those not having a law, I become like one who doesn't have a law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those who don't have a law. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Now, I want you to get, because that could sound a little confusing, this is what Paul is saying is he's like, I'm looking for a connecting point with everyone to show them the gospel and the salvation of Jesus in their life. And he said, for those that think this is all about a moral thing, he's like, that's how I come to this conversation. To those that under, don't understand their loss, that's how I come to this conversation. To those that think it's about a religious thing, that's how I come to this conversation. Okay, so I want to be very clear. Paul's not saying, hey, go out and get drunk with people or do drugs with them and then tell them about Jesus. He's not saying become like that. What he's saying is look for that connection point. He's saying, how can you connect with them over a conversation? What's going on in their life that you can talk to them about and help them to understand, hey, there is a God who loves you, who cares about you, who wants a relationship with you so that they could experience the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God in their life. Paul says, I'm trying to do everything that I can so that possibly I might win some, that some would be able to come into a relationship with God. That's what he is saying. That's how we should be. We should have that same attitude. God, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm looking and I'm trying to listen, God, because I want to partner with you in redeeming the world. And you guys, sometimes it's easy to see, right? Like there's that family member who's really messed up and you can just tell it like they wear it on the outside. But then sometimes it's your boss and they look like they have it all together. But they're hurting. And sometimes it's that couple who lives down the street and they have a nicer house and a newer car. And you think, like, what do they actually need in their life? But on the inside, their relationship's falling apart. And they go to bed every night stressed and they're frustrated and they're thinking, is this really it? Like, this just feels so meaningless. And you and I get to partner with God in what he's doing to redeem the world. Like, we get to be a part of what God is doing that's how we change the world. One last thing that I want to leave you with this morning is this, is evangelism isn't an event, it's a lifestyle. Evangelism, just sharing your story, that's all that means, is sharing what God has done in your life with someone else and saying, hey, God wants a relationship with you. It's not an event, it's a lifestyle. It's not something, and I know churches used to do this. Some of you guys may remember this, or maybe someone's done this, is where we all get together and we go to a block and we knock on people's house and we say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And you're like, this is awkward. I'm in the middle of cooking a meal or I'm washing dishes or, or whatever. The kids are screaming, but, you know, you feel like you have to listen to that. Like, it's not an event. It's a lifestyle. And that means when you're sitting in the break room and someone starts to open up and just say, man, my relationship's falling apart. Like you think, man, I could pray for them. I could maybe help them and share what God's doing in my life. Student, 
That means when that kid on the bus that you ride home with says, yeah, my parents are talking about getting a divorce, and you can see they're holding back the tears, but they're hurting on the inside, and it's a lifestyle. That's the moment. That's the moment where God's saying, hey, share with them. I love this. There's a story in John chapter 4, and you can write this down and turn there later or look in the NCC sermon app notes later. But Jesus is at this well, and he's talking to this woman. She's known as the Samaritan woman. The disciples go into town to get some food, and Jesus strikes up this conversation with this woman who was probably an outcast in her own town, and he begins to talk to her about her life just meets with him maybe like 15, 30 minutes, has this conversation, and she runs back into the town right as the disciples are coming out. And as I begin to read and think about this story, the disciples come back out. They had gone in to get some food. They come back with some snacks. This woman goes back into that same town, and she comes out with an entire city. These 12 guys had been around Jesus for days, weeks, months, maybe even longer at this point. And they don't see what's going on. This woman had been around him for 15 minutes. And she comes back and says, meet this guy who just changed my life. He can do the same for you. Sitting in a church for years doesn't make you on mission with Jesus. It's a lifestyle, you guys. You can be around him a whole lot. And like the disciples go into a city and come back with a little bit of food. And this woman goes back into that same city and she comes back with the entire town and says, you've got to hear what this guy is saying. It's more than just about some water. It's more than just about some food. This guy is talking about our spiritual needs and he's making a difference. He just changed my life. You have got to meet this guy. And you guys, if we're not careful, we end up like the disciples. We sit in church week after week and we're not really changing the world around us. And we should be on mission with Jesus. That's what he's calling us to. And you guys, there are 135,201 people right here in Mesquite who desperately need you to be on mission with Jesus. And there are family members and friends that you have that desperately need you to be on mission with Jesus, to change the world around you. They may not even know what they need. That neighbor may not even know what's lacking in their life. But they need to understand the love of God. That's why God put you in that apartment. It's not an accident. That's why God put you in that house. That's why you're at that job and students. That's why you're in that classroom or on that sports team or in that seat in choir or band or whatever other activity you have. You're not there by accident. God is calling you to change the world around you. He wants you to partner with him in bringing his salvation to the world. And so this is our action item. This is how we're going to respond is when you sat down this morning, if you're here in this room, you have a card that looks like this. It just says the one. If you've been with us the past nine weeks, this looks familiar because we did this together for a couple of weeks. But this is what I want you to do. A few moments ago, I asked you to write down um, someone's 10 people's name who don't know um, Jesus. And and I want you to just take one of those and just put them on this card. And this week we're going to pray for them. If you're online with us, maybe just on a piece of paper, even in your phone, if you're able to do that, just write down someone's name, um, and we want to pray for them. 
And this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. At the end of service, we're going to have um, a black bucket right there on the back. And if you're here in person, you can drop that in. Um, if you're online, you can put it right there in the chat comment. And we just, all week long, we're going to pray for the people in our life who are disconnected from God, who don't have a connection with Christ or don't have a connection with the church. And we're just going to pray, God, give us that opportunity. Also, if you're here in person in your seat, you got these. And my challenge is, over the next couple of weeks, just invite someone. Invite someone from that list. Invite someone you don't know, okay? Work up the courage when you order that McDonald's cheeseburger to say, hey, here you go. Our church is doing something fun. You got to come, okay? Come with me. That grocery store person, the grocery store cashier that you always say hi to, how's your day going? Do something a little bit more and invite them like, hey, I want you to come. I want you to come and be a part of what our church is doing. And so this is how we're going to respond. This is what we're going to do is I'm going to encourage you to write down someone's name. I said this before, but I'll say this again is we're not going to reach out to them. Okay, don't put their contact. We're not asking for any of that. Okay, but we just want to join with you every time we come into this room this week with our staff and with our pastors is we're just going to pray over the people that you put who you wrote down their name. You may not know their name. It may be the neighbor two houses down and it always seems like they're upset and you can just write that, my neighbor. Or you can write someone's first name. But we want to pray, God, give us the opportunity to change the world around us. We may not be able to do everything, but Lord, we can do something in partnering with you and changing the world around us. So I want you, if you're here in person, or maybe you put it on your phone, if you would just hold that for a second, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you're online, just take that in your hand if you're able to. And let's pray together. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to invite you to do that too. It doesn't have to be anything big, but just a simple, God, give me the boldness to be able to invite them to church, to connect with you, or God, give me the chance to pray for them or to share with you what you've done in my life. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you, God, and we don't want to be a church that's comfortable just kind of sitting back or that we're comfortable that you've saved us, even though there may be other people out there that are lost. God, we want to be the church that partners with you in changing the world. And God, the names that we wrote down this morning, Lord, these are our friends, or maybe they're people that live by us. They are people that are close to us that are hurting. And I'm praying this morning, God, that you would give us the opportunity, give us the boldness, Lord. Work on their heart, Lord. Every person that's going to get an Easter invite, Lord. Every person that we're going to invite, Lord, to come and be a part of NCC, God, to see what you're doing here, Lord. Every individual, would you help us, Lord, to have that boldness to reach out? Would you open up their heart, God, to receive, Lord? Would you help them to see that spiritual need in their life, Lord, how they need to connect with you? God, we want to be a church that's changing the world around us. So give us that boldness. God, give us the words to say, I pray this in your name. Amen. If you could just keep your heads bowed for one moment. Because there's no way that I can share a message like this and not give you the opportunity if you're in this room or if you're online with us and maybe someone invited you and you're saying, Aaron, that's me this morning. I'm disconnected from God and I'm disconnected from the church. And my life feels kind of broken. And I know there's something missing on the inside. I want to be very clear with you. Being a follower of Jesus, being connected to a church, it's not about just having the right behavior. It's not about being a good person or trying to be a better person. It is acknowledging 
God, left to myself, I mess things up pretty bad. And I can't fix myself on my own. And you guys, that's why Jesus came. That's why he wants a relationship with us. Is this is a God who is passionately pursuing us. You heard that story. He's the one down on his hands and his knees looking for us, chasing after us because he wants a relationship with us. This is the God who loves us and who will do anything to bring us back into a relationship with him. And if that's you in the room this morning, if that's you watching online and you're like, yep, that's me, I just want to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer just acknowledges that, God, I know that I've messed up. I can't fix myself on my own, so I'm asking for your forgiveness, and I'm inviting you in to be a part of my life. I want a relationship with you. And so I'm going to invite all of us to pray this out loud. We don't want anyone praying this alone, so let's all say this together this morning. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I know that I've sinned. I admit that I've messed up. And I pray for your forgiveness. So come into my life. Give me a brand new start. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate? And if you're here and you prayed that, or if you're online and you prayed that, I want you to just picture this for a moment. What we read earlier in the message, that all of heaven is jumping up and down and celebrating and rejoicing with you because God is so excited that you're coming back into a relationship with him. It makes God happy. And so I want to encourage you. We don't want you doing this alone. And I know it could be a little intimidating, like it's kind of embarrassing to admit that I'm disconnected from God, but I want a relationship with him. And so we want, to, we want someone to help you in this. And there's a simple way you can let us know you prayed this prayer, newcommunity.co slash newlife. Um, and you can go on there and just fill out a form just saying, hey, here's my name. Here's a way to connect with me. We don't want you walking out your Christian faith alone. We don't want you doing this by yourself. And so one of our team members wants to encourage you and celebrate with you as you start this relationship with Jesus. So go ahead, take a moment, just go to there, that forum, um, fill that out, let us know. And we want to cheer you on and celebrate you as you begin to walk out your faith with Jesus this week.